That's perfect. I want, I want to show you guys something that you, you probably know. And um, so I don't know if uh, you can see the board over there, Mel, but... That's okay. Can I use so, okay. Um, so we, uh, we, just, we just came out of it of, uh, of 2019, and that's the Roman Greco year. But in the Hebrew calendar, it was 5779 in the Hebrew calendar, and in the Hebrew calendar, there's a, there's a Hebrew letter, which is actually, you know, Hebrew letters have a symbol. And so, Yon, which we just came out of, 2019, finished the decade, which was to see. That's what this Hebrew letter means, is to see. And so this became... The last decade we just finished in 2019 was very prophetic. A lot of churches, a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders said, man, it's just like I see things. Dreams, visions, that kind of a thing was very, very prominent. Then we come into the, the Greco-Roman year of 2020, which, moved, which, which was actually preceded by the Hebrew calendar of 57808. Is represented by the Hebrew letter pay, which is mouth. And wouldn't you know, put this on the side screen, put that picture on the side screen. You guys know this. So we begin 2020 with that. I don't give a rip if you wear a mask or not. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying, spiritually, this is trying to make a statement. We enter into the decade of pay, which is mouth, which is now to declare what we've seen, to open our mouths, to open our voice, and our mouths, our voice have been muffled. So whether you wear a mask or not, I'm, I'm here to tell you that you have a voice. Amen. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the voice that the church must have in this age. It's absolutely imperative. I was, I was thinking about the sacredness of the voice. We're going to be looking at a couple of scriptures. If you want to go to John 10, we'll be there in just a jiffy in John 10. And... Um, but uh, I was thinking about this during worship. Do you guys remember when um, Joshua was told that, that he could have the, the city of Jericho? And then there, the strategy was to march around it. But in Joshua 6 verse 10, Joshua gave Israel some very important instructions. And included in those instructions was this, don't utter a voice. Don't make a sound. Literally, don't let your voice be heard. Now, I've always thought that's because they had to kind of sneak around the walls, but that isn't true because they're blasting trumpets. How many of you know you're not going to be sneaking if you're blasting trumpets? There's no sneak with a bunch of trumpets blasting. 
So it wasn't a matter, now watch, it wasn't a matter of sneaking. It was a matter that the voice was so sacred that it couldn't be uttered until God said, release the shout. And when God commissioned the voice to go forward, then it had the power to annihilate the walls. It's interesting in John 11, verse 47, when Jesus shouted to a dead body, it says he lifted up his voice. Lazarus came forward. Your voice is sacred. I was in a church one time and, and, the, and the pastor said, come on everybody, let's lift up our voice and begin to cry aloud to the Lord and there was nothing but silence in the church. Maybe one or two murmurings, but, 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 but for the most part, there was not a corporate collective shout or a voice of cry under the Lord. Yeah. And this was about two years ago, and I started thinking, because, you know, Corey was running across the nation trying to get churches to corporately cry out. And it's a very challenging thing, has been a challenging thing. And then the Lord gave me revelation on this two years ago. The enemy has stolen our voice. People say, well, I'm just not, I don't know if I'm comfortable with crying out, out loud. No, what it is is the enemy has taken your voice. That's right. You don't have a problem talking. You have a problem using your voice under the unction of the Spirit to cry out to His presence. And when you do, see, there's power in that. Amen. There's extraordinary power in your voice. So John 10, 27, you know this. My sheep hear my what? Okay, I'm not very good at writing on here because I misspell words. So, all right. My sheep, now you know what this is, don't you? Voice is phone. It's the Greek word phone. Phone. My sheep hear the phone. I mean the answer. But anyway, my sheep hear the phone. They hear the voice. It's very important that we hear the voice. John 10, 3. My sheep hear my voice. Verse 4. The sheep follow because they know the voice. Verse 5. They will flee from the voice of a stranger. How many of you know the enemy has a voice? How many of you know that the enemy is constantly using his voice to speak into you? Constantly. It is, it is the essence of the enemy, John 8, 44, to utter forth his voice, which is deception. That's, that's his essence. I've heard people say, oh God, just you know, stifle the mouth of the enemy. Not possible in this. I know it's, it's ambitious prayer, but it's not possible. He's always going to talk. Challenges, don't listen. So the enemy has a voice, but the sheep of God have a familiarity with the voice out of heaven. And because they've adapted to that voice or they've created a familiarity with it, they're able to follow it intimately. My sheep know my phone, phone. 
All right, now, let's go to Matthew. This is where I really want to land. Go to Matthew chapter 18. This is, the, this is the second house I felt very strong to share this with. Matthew 18, look at verse 19. Matthew 18, verse 19. Jesus says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Incredible verse. Let me read that again. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Of course, the word ask is a form of prayer. There's Several different words in the New Testament for prayer. This is one which is actually a declaration. It's to open your mouth and to make a decree. All right. If two of you agree, the word agree is the word Symphoneo. We get the word, what? Symphony. Exactly. Symphoneo. Now watch this. Look what's right in the middle of that word. So the root of symphoneo is phone, voice. It has a prefix right here, which is actually... Soon, S-U-N, which is union, can be translated one, that's fine, but it's the idea of a voice in union. Or, there's several different senses of this word, it's used a number of places in the New Testament, but only here it's used in the sense of harmony. If we can just find some voices that can harmonize, the Father will hear and He'll answer. If we could just find some voices to harmonize. Now, this is, this is a musical church. You guys know that a chord generally has three notes in it. The tonic would be the chord I'm playing in. So if I say, hey, we're going to play in the, the, the key of C, the tonic would be C. That's the root. If I'm going to make a chord then we know it's going to be C, E, G. Those make a chord and together they harmonize. That is symphoneo. 
right there. Now watch this. If we can just get three people... If we can just have that, our Father is going to move. Isn't that beautiful? That's symphonio. That's voices in union. That doesn't sound good. Now we got discord. Discord comes from a Latin word to divide. And if there's discord, there's not harmony. And if there's not harmony, there's no presence. You guys with me? We've been in prayer meetings before, Cindy and I have, where we've been praying, the tonic was given, the key, the Spirit of the Lord assigned the topic, the key, so we're praying. And then all of a sudden, a different voice Sometimes voices in prayer meetings can take us down tributaries that have not been assigned by the Spirit of the Lord. I mean, I want prayer, but I want God-called prayer. Because sometimes discord will be sown into prayer so as to keep it from being symphoneo, so the presence of God doesn't move. The enemy can use his voice to sow discord right into prayer. Did you know that? Now watch this. You got to hear this. Just because there's an agreement doesn't mean God's in it. Let me show you something really interesting. Flip over to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, look at verse 9. Acts chapter 5, verse 9. This is, you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. The presence of God is moving powerfully and profoundly on the church several years after Pentecost. And in verse 9, Peter says... To Ananias' wife, Sapphira, verse 9, Peter said, Why is it that you have, what? Agreed together. 
You know what that word is? Symphonia. Why is it that you two have come into harmony to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at your door, and they will carry you out as well. Verse 10, and immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. She no longer could use her voice because her voice came into harmony with someone else against the Spirit of the Lord. Be very careful who you agree with. I know this sounds like a warning, and I don't, I don't mean for it to sound like a warning, but yet it is. Because any church that has a strategy to reach its community, its region, the nation, any church that has that assignment is going to have to pray in such a manner and pray with such harmony that the presence of God can move in. But the enemy, see, is going to want to sow discord through voices that will keep the prayer from being harmonious. But, But I want to say you can agree, you can agree, but it can be the wrong kind of an agreement and God's not real happy with that. It didn't turn out too well for Ananias and Sapphira. They had better days than this one. Right? You guys know the story. Okay. So, I guess the thing to do is is to find someone, begin to agree with him, and just begin to pray, and God's going to move. Well... Almost. But there's a very important element that needs to be talked about in these verses. It isn't just the idea that I'm going to find someone to pray with. It isn't that I'm just going to connect my voice with someone else and together we're going to pray and and if we can really agree together, it's going to bend God's arm and he's got to move because that's what it says here. If two of you agree, then, then God's got to move. Well, I want to propose to you, now listen, that the harmony that we're going to pray in, the agreement that we're going to pray in, the key that we're going to agree to pray in, in must be assigned by heaven. You say, where do you get that? Well, that's verse 18. Verse 18, 19, and 20 are connected. And Jesus says in verse 18, truly I say to you, look at this, whatever you bind on earth. Now, you know this, binding and loosing are rabbinical language for decreeing for making declarations, which ties into the word in verse 18, the word aeteo, which is to ask. And so asking is decreeing. Asking is binding and loosing. And binding and loosing are rabbinical language that is used for the body of Christ. It was Jewish language used for the body of Christ to forbid things or to permit things. Now, how many of you know in Jesus Christ, you've been given a voice. 
You've been given authority. How many of you know in Christ you have his authority? All authority on heaven and earth has been given to him, and he is now delegated, he is now imparted, he has now given you that authority. Listen, the church needs to wake up in this hour and realizes that she truly has authority. You truly have authority. Listen, people say, I just don't understand what God's doing. I think God's asking the church. I just don't understand what the church is doing. I mean, how is it that, that, that disease and sickness and, and, and crime and bigotry can happen across our nation? I mean, what, what's God doing? I, I think we need to be asking, what's the church doing? Last I look in Psalm chapter 8, we've been given the authority to rule and have dominion. This is our domain. And he's given us, it isn't that he can't, it's just that he won't. This is our dominion, and he's given us a voice. Now, you got to see this. So verse 18 is the binding and the loosing. It's the, it's the forbidding, and it's the... It's, and listen, you don't... If you've got a kid who's being oppressed by the enemy, if, you, if you've got a kid who's struggling with an addiction, you don't have to scratch your head and wonder, well, what do I need to pray? Take authority over that thing, man, and break that stuff off. Amen. I'll never forget when my boy, I think he was about 16, I'm at my desk, and he's right up in my grill with this rebellious, I'll never forget this. And I'm just sitting at my desk, and he's just, he's just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. I stood up from my desk, I put my finger right in his face, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I bind this foul spirit of rebellion, you will get out of my house. Amen. And my son just looks at me like, The voice stopped and he went upstairs. Amen. The issue was not with my son. The issue was with a spirit that was oppressing him and I was hearing the voice in my house and I took authority over that. That's my domain. That ain't going to happen up in my domain. And when we begin to realize that, then we say, no, wait a minute. This is my domain. And then you begin, wait a minute. We're here in this city. This is our domain. Hey, wait a minute. This, this is our region. Hey, wait a minute. Crime, bigotry. I mean, hey, rioting. No, wait a minute. It stops with us. We have a voice. We have a voice. But it's going to take more than us just gathering in this room and all praying the same thing. Because that's not necessarily agreement. Okay, verse 18. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind... Now watch this. The, the verb... I'll, just, I'll tell you what it is, and then I'll tell you what it is. The verb tense is future perfect passive. And here's what it means. It means... That whatever you bind, watch this, shall have been bound. And whatever you loose, shall have been loose. What's the point? Future perfect passage tells us that we don't bind something here 
And then heaven is obligated to do what we've said. The verb tense of this tells us that we can only bind what has already been bound and we can loose what already has been loosed. So we don't make the decrees and heaven follows what we've made, the declaration, no. Heaven has already made declarations and if we will come in sync with that voice and hear what heaven has already decreed, what heaven has already permitted or loosed, then we are able then to be a voice out of the heavens and release that here on earth. That's verse 18. Do you see what I'm saying? What's heaven permitted and forbidden? Will anyone familiar with the voice will know? Which suggests that every one of us in this room must be still enough, quiet enough to hear the voice of heaven. See, we live in a culture where there are so many voices all screaming for your attention. So many voices, buy me, eat me, put me on, wear me. It's just everywhere, everywhere we go. Slogans and signs and, and voices and messages and just boom, boom, boom. Something to the tune of 60,000 messages per day are bombarding our minds and our hearts, which means that if you and I do not get into a place where we can hear the voice out of heaven, we have no clue what to speak. And why am I so adamant about this? Because in verse 20, is if we're speaking a voice out of heaven, look what Jesus says. For where two or three have gathered together, such a phenomenal idea. The gathering together is, is, the, is this idea of coming together right here in union. And it's called, it's, 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 a, it's a term that means to be assembled by him. And if we are assembled by him, speaking a voice out of heaven, look what he says, I am in the midst The idea is he literally exists in the midst of symphonic harmony that is an echo of heaven. Does that make sense? So see, the, the question becomes what key is he playing in? And this is so exciting because there's actually scholars that believe that even right now, the, the stars and, 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 and the trees and everything in our planet vibrates with a symphonic rhythm. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. That even right now in creation, yeah. there's, a, there's music. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a voice, there's a sound right now in creation, which, which makes sense that if the church does not cry out... 
nature is going to because it can't hold back anymore. It's waiting for the sons and daughters to be released who will speak the voice out of heaven. How did the rhythm get into creation? Because some believe in Genesis 1 verse 3 when there was nothing but chaos and there was discord that when God spoke, some scholars say he used his voice to sing. And in the releasing of the voice out of heaven, everything that was chaotic became specificity. Everything that was disjointed came together. And there's been a rhythm in all of creation ever since. And if you and I said, he said to me, we'll never hear the voice if we're not living in rest. You guys, you, you guys know our life. We crisscrossed the nation have for 10 years as we not pastoring anymore, but you know what I mean. Now we're with BLMA and we just, and so we're in a lot of prayer meetings. And they're making noise. But if we would, We're in the key of F. We're in the key of F. We're in the key of F. And every key has a scale. And every key has significant tones. And every key has... And if we're all in F, he can't resist. Because what begins to happen here is an echo of heaven and God comes. See, I think when Jesus said in Luke 11, you remember, the disciples are scratching their head. How do we pray? How do we pray? Remember? How do we pray? Jesus says, well, begin to worship. Hallowed be thy name. And, and you know what that is, don't you? It's to recognize who he is. Hallowed is not like, I used to think when I was little, it's hallowed out. And, and, and it, I'd always, always associate it with the chocolate bunny I would get on Easter that would be hollow. And it always made me mad. I hated that. My grandma always gave me what was hollow. I'd, I'd get excited and I'd grab, and it, it would, anyway, it's just, I'm over it now. It's trauma. I've been delivered of the hollow Easter bunny. You can tell. I got freedom on it now. So I heard the word hollow. Hollowed. It's not what he's saying. See, it's, it's a picture of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse uh, 16. It's... It's covenant language. See, it's, it's the church in 2 Corinthians 3.16. It's, it's when we turn. 
is, some of your translations would say revert, but this is just the idea of turning to him. Watch this. That's hallowing. It's to turn. 2 Corinthians 3.16, as we turn, revert, some translations would say worship. That'd be fine. It's the idea of doing this. And what's he do? In that verse, it says, he removes the veil. Amen. He removes the veil. See, that's revelation. Revelation is removing the veil. Revelation is uncovering what has veiled our perception. And once our perception has been cleared and we see Now we begin to hear and we can speak what we have been revealed and now we have the right key. And then Jesus said, Luke 11, verse 2, what's the next thing? After we, see, hallowed is rest. It doesn't mean we can't dance. It doesn't mean we can't jump. It doesn't mean we can't celebrate. You guys know I pastored for 21 years. The last decade or so, we, it was just off the chain. Yes, we were a Nazarene church the way it was meant to be. And there was no paradigm for our worship time. It's just every single Sunday we Hallowed. We turned unto him. We worshiped. It was, a, it was a time of rest. Rather, we danced or laid on the floor. It was all the same. So, so you understand, I'm not suggesting that hallowing means we all just come up here and lay down on mats. Although some Sundays that would be nice, wouldn't it? Just... I'm not suggesting that. It's not the position of your body. It's the posture of your heart. See, I can be resting while I'm driving. I can be resting while I'm... I've taught a lot on Mary and Martha. I can have Martha hands, but I must have a Mary heart. See, we, we confuse idleness with resting. And I know some people that can be idle but never rest. So there has to be a resting. See, there has to be a hallowing to hear the key. And then Jesus says, Luke 11, verse 2, he says, then what? My kingdom come. Do you know those are imperatives? What's that mean? That means it's a command. Actually, when we pray, thy kingdom come, it's not a suggestion. It's called an imperative, which is a command, which means we literally are able to decree kingdom come. Kingdom come. Kingdom come. But we just don't go running out into traffic and look at evil in its eye and say, kingdom come, you better make sure you're an echo out of the heavens. Right. 
You better make sure that your voice, see, because, again, don't utter a voice until you've been commissioned. The walls aren't going anywhere until we utter the voice at the right time. See what I'm saying? Maybe this is bringing direction as opposed to correction. You're not doing anything wrong. I'm not coming. I'm coming as a father to say, to cheer you on. But as we pray and go after our region, let's make sure we're praying heaven's agenda. Don't coerce people to come to prayer. You don't want everybody there. We sometimes in our mind, that, we get into our heads that if we get more people, God's going to move. We want people to sing the same tune. We want people to be in the same key. Then he'll come. And that doesn't take a lot if two. Two can harmonize. So don't coerce people. I've learned this over the years. Ask Holy Spirit to send people who are going to sing in the key that he has assigned. God, you've given this house an agenda. This is what we're going to be praying. This is what we're going to be decreeing. This is going to be what we're going to forbid. This is what we're going to be declaring out of our mouths for the next season, the next month, the next whatever. And so God, bring people who will be in that key. See see what I'm saying? And if everyone's in key, if you're in the key of F, and someone comes along and starts singing G flat, we all know. You don't kick them out, you just... Come here, brother. We're not doing that. Does this make sense? That's where the community hears the agenda and says to the brother or sister, not in this song, not in this house. Does this make sense? For if two or three have gathered together in my name. Now this takes verses 18 and 19 together. And they've gathered in my name. Look at this. I am in their midst. All right, one one, one last. And we'll end here. And I want us to. I want us to pray. Go to Acts chapter uh, 4.
So here's the church being threatened. Peter and John minister to a guy that's been lame for a while. You know the story. And everyone's excited. Chapter 4, verse 1. As they are speaking, the priest, the captain of the temple of the guard, the Sadducees, they're greatly disturbed. There's going to be, there's going to be some disturbance with you speaking in this region. There's not much of a disturbance when you guys just gather for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning and go home. You don't have to do a lot of binding and loosing and forbidding. I mean, oh, this sounds terrible. The enemy is not concerned about how many people gather. Not in here. That doesn't, he's not threatened by that. I promise you, he doesn't care if there's five of you or 500 jammed in here. Doesn't make him nervous. It's not how many gather. It's how many scatter. It's after you have assembled. It's what you do next is what's going to raise the eyebrows of the enemy. Once you have gathered, and if you are equipped, and you're all in unity, and now you deploy to raise war in this community and to take back what the enemy has done, now you're going to have opposition. You see what I'm saying? You understand what ecclesia is, don't you? The church, the the term church is a secular term. Ecclesia, 400 years prior to Jesus ever arriving on the scene, it was used in Athens, classical period. And the term ecclesia referred to a group that was a militant group called together to bring about societal transformation. In a political, cultural fashion, they could wage war. They could call generals. They were a militant group that literally was feared because they elicited so much authority to bring about transformation. And Jesus grabs that secular term with his boys in Matthew 16 and says, Hey, you know that ecclesia thing? Oh, yeah, I'm going to build one. But I'm not going to build one within the safe four walls. So I hear people say, let's go to church. Ah, I cringe. No, let's let the church go to the city. <laughs> Come on, this is, not, this is not the ecclesia, I hate to tell you. <laughs> uh, I, anyway, so the ecclesia is actually a group called to go to where demonic territories are. Where did Jesus say, I'm going to build the ecclesia? You remember, remember where he was in Matthew 16, verse 18? He was standing in Caesarea Philippi. He was pointing to a rock where for over 400 years, they're sacrificing Baal gods on that. And, and the pan gods are still carved into the rock. These little pan gods are still in the rocks there. You can see them if you Google it. They're fertility gods. This was a place that was a shrine where all of this demonic activity was going on and there was a gaping hole there and water gushed out until an earthquake jacked all that up. But it was believed that the water gushed out from these fertility gods. And, and this, 
this was a place literally infested with demonic activity. And Jesus is standing there with his boys and says, see that rock right there? Yeah, I'm going to build my church. So as you guys drive around this city, you find the most infested demonic area. You find the area where there's drug trafficking and and addiction and crime and immorality. You find the place where there's all of this sinful pollution going on. You find all of this demonic activity. Scratch your head for a moment and say, he wants to put an ecclesia right there. It's a grandiose idea, but it wasn't ours. I'm going to do this, Jesus says. I'm going to build my ecclesia. (laughs) He's going to build it. So regional transformation is not your idea. Isn't that good news? That job description was not assigned by you. Anyway, and that was the idea of the book of Acts. They're just, they got this crazy idea that they're going to bring about transformation under Roman tyranny. Well, there was pushback from the religious leaders and pushback from the religious system. It's no different today. Anyway, so they're threatened. They're threatened. I love Chapter 4, verse 13, two uneducated, untrained guys, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. People know who you hang with. Anyway, they're threatened. And what do these guys do? Ready? They raise their voices, verse 24, together, and they worship. They hear the tone, they hear the key, they hear the melody, oh boys, we're in the key V flat. So they begin to pray, and what is their prayer? God, don't, we don't want to dial it down. Boldness got us in trouble, so we need more boldness, right? Because see, if you're not hearing the right voice out of heaven... If you're not hearing the right voice out of heaven and you're being threatened by a world system that's coming against you, you're going to become sequestered in fear. This is where a lot of the church is. What are we going to do? What are we going to do financially? What are we going to do if people can't meet? What are we going to do? And none of this stuff has Jesus nervous smoking a cigarette. Right? Can you guys picture Jesus? Just, man, I got the munchies. You you got a light? I just don't know what to do. I can't meet now. You say that's just ridiculous. Then why do we act the way we do? I see so much stress in the church. These guys aren't stressed. In fact, let me just, this is so interesting. Look at this. Look at verse 29. 
They said, Lord, take note of their threats. Oh, I love that. You know what that literally means? Lord, we're not going to occupy our minds with what they said. It's your deal. You take note of the threats. Church, we don't have to say, hey, God. We don't have to take note of it. Hey, God, all that's happening across our nation, it's on your shoulders, not ours. That's what they're saying. This is not going to be something that's going to keep us up at night. We're not going to be nervous about this. We're not going to stew over this. Take note of that. All of this stuff, all of the tragedy, everything that's going on, and, and the, the COVID one day, no COVID, a disease, a virus, a flu, I, I don't know. it. Who knows? That's not my agenda. My agenda's coming out of heaven. He's taking note with all of that stuff. And therefore, they get the key, and they begin to pray, and the very thing they pray is for extended or more boldness in the face of the fact that boldness is what got them into the trouble to begin with. We want more, and now watch this, and then they say, stretch out your hands, and may signs and wonders be performed through the servants. I mean, come on, man. One dude gets healed. Let's get all the dudes healed. Let's just see the power of God move. Let's just see the, the dunamis strength of God show up along with the boldness. And they started singing that melody to the point that God couldn't take it anymore, that he comes down into their little song service, their little harmonious prayer meeting, and the place where they were meeting started shaking, and they were suddenly filled with the power of God's Spirit and began to speak His Word with greater boldness. I think he's just looking for a group that will sing His melody. It's got to be a church singing the tune of heaven. There's got to be a church leaning in and hearing the voice of... There's got to be a church somewhere that hears the melody of heaven. We don't ever start worship anyway. It's always going on. Wonder what key they're playing in. I think if we hear and become an echo and sing in that key, he can't. He's going to come right into our midst. And when he moves into our midst, I think the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk. I think pretty soon this region will start to feel the effects. All right, I'm done. Can we press into that? Yes. Can we just have someone pad a little bit and just, can we press into that? Pray into this? Because I don't know how this applies to each of us. Some of you may be a little wound up. I don't know. Some of you may be tense. And I don't make light of that stuff, man. I don't. I don't make light of well, I lost my job, or I, you know, my, my brother's got the stuff. I, I don't, you know, my shop's closed. I don't, 
These are crazy times. I think we're in the last days. But it's not the time for the church to be sequestered. It's time for the church to sing the tune out of heaven, begin to pray in agreement and believe that he's going to invade our company. Right? Come on, let's just press in. Come on, let's just press in. Let's just press in. Come on, church. You know where I'd love to begin? Let's declutter ourselves of voices so we can begin to hear the voice. A phrase that I've used for over a decade is life is in the voice. <laughs> it is. Oh, God, would you declutter us? Come on. There's so many voices. And come on, so many voices. Come on, you just pray out too. God, come on, declutter me. Come on, declutter my head. Come on, just pray out. God, there's so many voices, so many demanding attention. Look at this. Try this. Buy this. Eat this. Wear this. Go here. Go there. Come on, God. So many voices. Well-meaning voices. But God, we're never... We're never going to hear the key out of heaven if we don't rest. Faith is not striving. It is resting. I've said this for years, church. It is resting. It's living out of a position. Isn't it interesting that in John 1.13 it says Jesus' head was on the bosom of the Father. So he could hear the rhythm of the heart. You know what rhythm is? It's a musical term. Was Jesus hearing the rhythm of the heart or was he listening for the key? I think he was... I think Jesus was listening for the key out of heaven. So he knew what to pray. And Come on, God, give us the rhythm. Come on, God, give us, give us the melody. What's being played out of the heavens? There's a lot of discord in our culture. And unfortunately, that discord has found its way into the church. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a dozen times. Cindy and I have heard the word. Oh, there's so much division. There's so much discord. Well, because we're all doing our own thing. We're all trying to sing a melody that isn't attracting heaven. So what we're saying in this house is we're going to sing the key of heaven. And, And get this, church, listen to me. Every church has its key. Just as every song has its key, every church has its key. The key of this house is not going to be like the other one down the street or another one across the nation. Now you're going to have your own key. That's the unique kaleidoscopic difference. That's unity in the midst of diversity. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, declutter our our ears of the voices. Come on, God. 
I break off distraction. I say in the name of Jesus. Listen, I just heard a lie that some of you think, well, I can't hear heaven's voice. That's a lie. Yes, you can. Because you've been created by the Father, and guess what? He sings over you now. He sings over you now. So I break off the lie that says, I can't hear heaven's voice. Yes, you can. So I break it off. Father, right now, sing over your sons and daughters. Come on, sing over them in the name of Jesus. Sing over them, God, the melody out of heaven. And maybe the reverberating sounds of heaven begin to fall on the ears of your sons and daughters, God. May the sounds of heaven, God, be so, so rhythmic. Listen, that it brings everything into order. Brings everything into order. And when we're in rhythm with Him, well, there is no anxiety, there is no fear, there is no stress, there is no tension, there is no anxiety. You guys know this, our bodies were never meant to carry that. We were only meant to carry the rhythm of heaven, the glory, the presence. The old pianos that had the had the strings. It was called a oh, what was that? A board. What was it? Help me. The old pianos that had the strings on the board. No, no, no. It's a piano. But in the back, the strings were attached to a board all across the back. We had an old upright. Piano tuner came and he hits the fork and then he tunes it what was interesting is when he hit the fork it made all the other strings begin to rattle do you know if you just strike one instrument up here on the stage it'll make the other guitars start to rattle in that very key isn't that awesome so he wants us all to be in rhythm with him. He's going to tune us. He's going to tune this church. And when that happens, oh, there's rest in that. Bring us into rest with you, God. Bring us into rest with your melody. Father, I pray that this church will pray in symphonic harmony. I pray that when this church, God, calls out to you, You'll be like God, a harmonious voice that you cannot resist. And you'll begin to invade the prayer times. You begin to move that you'll be found in the midst of the prayers of this house. And God, I'm asking that you begin to shake the foundations of the walls that surround this region. Like Jericho, may the walls begin to rattle and shake and crumble. Come on. Pastor Michael said today, Baal Perazim, master of the breakthroughs. I think you'll break through every wall in this city, every wall in this region. I think you'll break through every obstacle in this city when this church is singing in harmony. The decreed voice out of heaven. I think when we can begin to bind and loose 
what's already been bound and loosed and make those decrees God nothing will stop this church so I'm asking God in the next three years in the next three years I'm asking that there'll be God city wide moves Citywide transformation. Citywide. I, I'm asking God for the, the kind of thing that starts a wave across this nation. Ha. Starts a wave, a musical wave across this nation. Do something, God, in this region that'll send a note across this nation. Come on, God. I bless Pastor Michael in April. And I say, they are the, they are the band leaders that here's the conductor. <laughs> They're going to know what key to play in. The intercessors you bring around them are going to hear. This church is going to be a place of symphonic harmony. And the reverberating desires that burn in your belly, Michael, that you sometimes think are so big that you're embarrassed to share them with your friends are going to come to fruition. Come on, those things that reverberate in you were put in, they were sung over you. He's just waiting for someone to sing that key. Come on, man. He's just waiting. Guys, don't ever be embarrassed about what God's put in your heart. Don't ever think it's so big. You just keep singing the songs of heaven, kids. Just keep singing the songs of heaven. And God's going to bring the people who's going to... He's going to bring them from the east, the south, and the north, and the west who will sing the melody who will sing the melody